Hello, everyone. And this is another episode of Talking About Life Experience with Ola. Tonight, I have Masha with me, and I am very, very humbled. And I just want to say a big thank you to, to you, Masha, for being here. I know we've tried so many times to juggle our calendars, but it's finally, finally nice to have you with me tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So before we get right into it, who is Masha and why Black Sand Mamas? Um, okay, so my name is Marsha Martin and I'm a former behavioural therapist, which means I work with individuals with developmental di uh, disabilities such as autism, uh, ADHD, Down syndrome, mostly children with autism. Um, I'm also a Black Sen mama myself. I have three children who are neurodivergent, um, autism and ADHD. Um, also myself, I'm autistic, and my husband, uh, ADHD. So we are a family full of neurodiversion. Um, I'm very familiar with it. Um, I founded a group called Black Send Mamas. And what it is, is uh, we are a charity and support group for mums with children with special educational needs and disability. We support the mums who are largely Black women, we support them in sourcing adequate mental health support. Um, we also help them as far as any other kind of therapeutic intervention. We have mummy trips, mummy outings. We have um, family events which are send friendly, so they they cater to special needs families. Um, and we also have one to one psychotherapy programs as well. We mm -hmm. also advocate for the mums in spaces where they feel their children's needs aren't being met. We look for adequate SEND provision, special needs provision, whether that's from schools, local authorities, housing, um, other SEND services, so on and so forth. And we make sure we're there with the mums. Um, Black SEND Mamas has a team of specialists. So our lawyers, our therapists, um, our educators, SENCOs, we are all Black mothers with special needs children. It was very important for me to have a team that mm. represented and reflected the mums that we help. As you know, in the Black community, we're not the best for asking for help, especially from people that don't necessarily look, look like us. Um, then black women don't necessarily ask for help, even less so for black mums and black special needs mums. We don't ask for anything. So mm. I just I felt it was so important that they understood that we are you. So we are in your corner. We have a collective goal because we are facing the same challenges as you. Um, it's just that we have a professional insight as well as a personal insight to special needs and, and what goes into support for children and families that are special needs families because we work in the special needs sectors as the Black Send Mama specialists. Um, so I just felt it was important to kind of bridge that gap. We, ha we have access to the spaces that most mums don't, mm. um, you know, and we're not community-wise. There is a lot, there's a lot less social cohesion in the Black community. So yeah, I just right. feel like this is such a needed sisterhood where Black women are consistently supporting other Black women. If there is ever a mum in the group that has any kind of need, there's always 10 or so more mothers that, you know, specialists within their own right are coming along to try and give them support, offer them help with writing a letter, offer them help with contacting um, legal aid, those kinds of things there. Um, it's just a space where Black women with special needs children are wholly and entirely uplifted and upheld. Um, and I just I'm very happy with what we've what we've built and what we've achieved. And we are building and working on authentic, genuine friendships with each other. Wow, fantastic. You do a lot. And um, well done. Well done. I met you Thank on a you. platform. And um, but one of the things you said struck me now um, that you have a diagnosis of autism yourself. Yeah, so I think. In the autism community or in the neurodivergent community in general, there's there are differing opinions, but by and large, there is a general consensus that self-diagnosis is also valid because you know yourself more than any mm. other doctor. I think as far as my qualifications, as far as my children and the experience I have, I'm more than qualified to validate that for myself. Um, I haven't had an official di diagnosis. However, I have taken official tests online. Mm. I could go to a doctor. I just, I don't think it's necessary, to be honest. I don't think it's going to achieve anything. But um, so if my children have official diagnoses. I don't, but I'm pretty certain that I am on the spectrum. I'm autistic. Um, so, yeah, oh. <laughs> and I've known myself my entire life. So I, I'm pretty certain. <laughs> <laughs> you know yourself more than anyone. So um, yeah. you're one of the first 
people or one of the first few people I hear the term neurodiversion. Tell us about this term and why is it important to use this term? So neurodivergent kind of it falls under the umbrella of neurodiversity, which basically just highlights the different difference in the, the disparity in brain brain function. There's a variety of different brain function throughout the population, throughout our communities. Everyone's brain works different. And so when we're talking about um, neurodiversity, we have neurotypical, which are quote unquote children who develop normally. Um, they have typical brain function they have typical associated behaviors and that's what we see in the majority of the population then we have neurodivergent individuals who have atypical cognitive function their brains work a bit a little bit differently um and they have atypical associated behaviors oftentimes um so neurodivergency just sorry neurodiversity just refers to the variety in the way in which our brains work neurodivergent refers to those with atypical cognitive function and behaviors so for example those with developmental dis disabilities such as um, autism adhd dyspraxia dyslexia um so on and so forth or those that have mental health uh, issues also Right. Okay. Oh, thank you for um, highlighting that and the difference as well, because I've been hearing these terms as much, you know, so lately because I've been doing a bit of work in this space as well, I've been hearing the terms. But um, when I heard your presentation on that platform with me, I thought, okay, it would be really, really nice for you to sort of, um, you know, give us an overview. And you've done that beautifully. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And um, I just can just to add in addition to that. It's important that we also recognise that there is a change in language and people are adopting the term neurodivergent more so than saying special educational needs. Um, that term is somewhat being looked down upon, I think, by the neurodivergent community for various reasons, but one of which it's just the idea that special needs or additional needs means that their needs their needs being met is almost a favour to them or they're almost seen as a, a burden. And really they mm -hmm. have needs just as everyone else has needs and you know it shouldn't be looked upon as any, in any way different we all just have differing differing levels of need right um black sen mamas uses the term sen and i wanted to use neurodivergent it's just i recognize the community that i'm dealing with unfortunately neurodivergent is not a popular term or a well-known term mm -hmm. it is just for identification purposes i want people to know that this is the place as a black person you are welcome as a black mother if you have a child who is neurodivergent and the term that they use in schooling is special educational needs and disability send and so that's why we've chosen to use black send mums because if it was black neurodivergent mums i cannot afford promo at this moment i am self-funded no one's going to find me and no one's going to understand that there is help here available to you so for the time being until we're a household name we will unfortunately mm -hmm. have to use send but when I do my talks, when I do my panels, when I do my workshops, I'm making sure that I'm informing the mothers that are with me. And it's over a thousand of them now mm. that the term should really and truly be neurodivergent. And we're trying to move away from terms like scent. And that's absolutely important because, again, like you said, you're using, you're using that term now. But as we evolve, we're all going to evolve together to know that right. actually we right. can evolve. Right. So I like the fact that you've identified that, that we're using yeah. Sen at the moment, but we're evolving. Yeah. And language change takes time in any it kind does. of revolution, anything like that. These things take time. They do. But we are work I'm working towards the cause. I can assure you guys of that. No, but that's very, very important to know. And thank you for that as well. So on thank that platform you. we met as well, we some, you know, there were different questions. And one of the things that struck me quickly was um there was um you spoke about reversal autism. Um, what is reversal autism? And is there anything as such as reversal autism? I don't know if I spoke about reversal mm. autism. I don't think I've heard that term. There is regressive autism. Is that what you're referring to? Um, no, what so um, not not yourself. So there was a lady who asked a question about a cure for autism, like autism could be reversed. Right. Okay. So, um, okay. and, I, and I love the way you answer that question. But again, I didn't really, really want to focus on it on that platform because that wasn't my platform. Yes. So, you know, the way you sort of answer that question, and again, yeah. as okay. you know, people will probably be out there saying, you know, there's a cure for it. So can you talk to us about a cure, if there is a cure for autism or if autism okay. can be reversed? Yeah, um, long and short of it, there is no cure for autism. Um, in terms of diagnostics, we are looking at surface symptoms, so namely behaviours. So the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Health, that is the criteria for which we would diagnose autism, developmental uh, disorders in general disabilities in general but autism 
Um, and they are looking at things like repetitive behaviors. Hold on, bear with me a moment, please. I can hear the plane in the background. Okay, I just had to kind of do the windows up. Um, so we are looking at repetitive behaviors, uh, language acquisition or skill and social skills. So it's a behavioral la uh, label at best, and it's kind of an umbrella term. Um, so it's not a disease mm. as such. So thusly, it cannot be quote unquote, uh, cannot be cured. Um, but there is, uh, of course, a neurocognitive aspect underpinning those behaviors, right? Um, the neurological disparities and variation is something that will be ever present. Remember, we spoke about neurodiversity and how yeah. people's brains are different. They are just different. They are made different, mm -hmm. right? Um, that will be ever present. That's not going to change. So we cannot cure, quote unquote, ASD, uh, autism. Um, however, there are common gastrointestinal issues. Uh, they say that your gut is like your second brain. There's a connection. Mm -hmm. There's a link. So there are a lot of gut issues that impact brain function and overall life quality and well-being. Those can be addressed. Mm -hmm. uh, those can be addressed through things like diet. We have lots of intolerances, um, especially those who are neurodivergent. So avoiding heavy metal, um, avoiding impurities, molds, just general toxins in one's environment, which we all face. Um but this also works for neurotypical children and adults as well. This works for you. This works for me. It's just generally mm. having a better diet, uh, cleansing of parasites or toxins. Uh, that will together equal less brain fog, better mm. cognitive function, better moods overall, better sleep, so on and so forth. So it's not some magical cure-all. Um, just look after yourself. Look after your kids. Avoid gluten avoid dairy and sugar, those things feed bacteria that causes gut inflammation. And they say your gut is your second brain, like I said. So gut inflammation affects the brain function, right? Get rid of mold or damp in the rooms. Use pure olive oil, coconut oil, rather than vegetable oil, which has omega, I think it's omega-6 and omega-9. We have to avoid those. But we need omega-3, which is found in fish. So get that in your diet. That heals. It aids in good brain function. Um, it is in fish, but you know, you don't have to. There's heavy metals in fish as well so we can look at various vegan options like chia seeds brussels sprouts walnuts chia seeds don't even taste like anything you can hide those in food a lot of our children are very choosy and very picky mm. when it comes to food um you can hide certain things in food hopefully you know they don't find out because <laughs> if they do they are not eating that <laughs> um so yeah but, so there are things that you can address that come often with autism that are not directly linked Sorry, that is not directly autism. So autism is always going to be present. It's always going to be there. But you can change the way in which you live your life um, and you can help your child with their diet and their environment so that certain behaviors kind of dissipate. Um, I don't feed my daughter Zara. I don't give her Pringles anymore because once she eats Pringles, she's jumping on the bed. She's mm. not going to be wetting herself sometimes. Um, you know, she doesn't use the toilet as consistently as she should. You know, it really does have food and diet does have an impact on these behaviors. You wouldn't necessarily recognize there's a direct link and there is. And so she's much calmer with, without certain foods. She talks more because she doesn't have that cognitive, uh, that brain fog um so i see i see how people doing certain things can make them think that oh i've given her i've given her a certain supplement and now she's talking more that can make them think they're curing autism they're not they're just curing some of the ailments that come along with autism which is fine because we all have that to some degree and we all should be aiming to have a better diet and ridding ourselves of toxins and toxic environments and so on and so forth Mm, so thank you. So we can't cure autism, but we can live well with it by adjusting yeah. or living healthy and doing certain things. Exactly. Mm, thank you. Um, so you spoke about there being a difference as well. You know, sometimes apparently, even not just you, I've read this as well. There could be, um, it, you know, children with developmental delay could be mistaken to having autism. And you did speak about how to support children with developmental growth rather than actually thinking it's autism. Can you speak a bit more to that? Um, well, I think was if there's some concern over the developmental delay versus autism um, or any diagnosis, if there is concern regarding that, then your best bet would be to 
refer your child for a natural diagnosis so you know what you're dealing with because that's always important and that mm. may be helpful so you can look to other families or other um, anecdotal or even evidence-based information regarding how to support whatever the diagnosis is right if it's ADHD there are certain things that I will do differently to whether or not to, to sorry in comparison to autism um but yeah, certainly I would encourage just in general for neurodivergent children um, that you feel need the support. Interventions that encourage praise, um, positive reinforcement. Those are always good. Hopefully social positive reinforcement, such as praise. Um, when a child is behaving appropriately, you let them know so by the praise that you give them or, you know, letting them know this is correct. Being very um, clear and concise, simple language. Um, and we do that in place of the punitive measures such as beating mm. that we as a community, the black community, unfortunately, have um, taken on and embraced as a remnant of slavery and what we uh, experienced mm -hmm. um, rather, rather than implementing that because it never worked. It never does work. It has been empirically evident that beating children and punitive measures in general does not work long term. It just causes a lot of problems. There are so many other interventions to help support your child in the behavioral aspect, in the social um, skills set aspect, and in the um, communicative aspect. Um, do not force eye contact. If your child is uh, has uh, is autistic or any kind of neurodivergency where they find it difficult or uncomfortable to maintain eye contact, don't force it. That interrupts their processing and they're trying to process what you're saying. The, mm. the social aspect of making eye contact, it's just a social rule that we all, you know, kind of adhere to, but it's not necessarily necessary. We just like the optics of it, the way that it looks and the way it makes us feel. It feels like we're being seen, we're being heard. But I promise you, your child is listening to you. What happens is your face becomes extremely overwhelming to them when they're looking at you. And so they can't process. And adults are the same. Adults with uh, who are autistic or have ADHD are the same. They're looking at your facial features and now they all of a sudden they're not able to concentrate on what you're saying and it's already difficult enough for many of our children to concentrate on the words that we're saying without being forced to look at even more things that are going to cause overstimulation right do not force uh, eye contact it's not necessary it's unnecessary torture for the child okay um oh. picture, picture exchange communication system pecs so that's just a series of picture cards that show the child what it is that you're trying to communicate to them um there are many courses beginners courses on this you can go on youtube and look at how to um do this how to do it properly with your child um things like going to the toilet you'd have a picture card um and you'd reinforce that you'd say the word you know toilet or um ola wants toilet or does ola want toilet you know uh. something that is easily recognizable and so she can have a, she can respond or she can learn to you know you can also teach your child how to use pecs as well and they can also respond with in kind giving you the cards you know that communicate what they want um, you know, so that's helpful. Um, there's AAC, which is augmentative and alternative communication, um, various means of communication. Um, there's something called prolo prolo um, Proloquo oh, to Go, cool. which is, yeah, which is like a, I love it. It's, um, it's an app that you'd have on an iPad. I guess you can have it on a tablet as well. And you pay for the um, subscription and it has, it's basically like pecs, but, it, you know, on an app. Um, mm. And they can press they can press the words that they want to say to you. They can make a sentence, you know, and you teach them how to use it. And they can bring that with them to communicate. And what it is, is constantly hearing, because when you press the word, the, the actual app says the word. So when you press the words to make a sentence, the pictures to make a sentence, the app will say the sentence out loud. Constantly hearing that means that it's, one, it's something the child becomes familiar with. It may be easier for them to process when you say it to them and, you know, help with their receptive understanding of language. But two, it might also encourage them to say the word sometimes. And I know, for example, my daughter Zara, she's not going to want to type all of that when she's learned the words and she can easily just say it easier. Oh. And she'd say, oh, I want to go to the toilet because she's learned it and she has confidence yeah. in that now. Yeah. Rather than pressing each button, which she's been, she's done for the past two years, she might be like, I'm done with this now. Let me just say it. And it's also encouraging speech in that way, um, you know, but communication, essentially it acts as a voice for those that, who are unable to verbally communicate, which is also important because if you take away someone's voice, that's, you know, ethically and morally 
wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so absolutely. finding ways to support to support them other than verbal communication can aid in them progressing as far as verbal communication. It has the potential to do so. And ultimately, just do your research. Do your research on interventions that are aimed at supporting your children. Nothing that takes punitive measures in 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 case. Um, I just think as a parent, as a parent in general, we are the doctors, we are the nurses, we are the research, we do everything for our children. As a SEN parent, it's the same, but almost tenfold. Um, and you have to do your research, put on your um, researcher you know, cap and figure out what it is that your child may need as far as support, what works best for your child, because you know your child better than anyone. Mm. Um, you just you maybe just aren't so familiar with the technical interventions that are in place. So, so you may need to find out what's there so you can adapt it to better suit your child absolutely and if and like you say right for your child then just don't do it because we know our child best and when we're doing our research we sort of know what might work with our child or not and, and that's a very important yeah. point you made there um so um there, i often hear the term um deregulate deregulate but i hear it mostly with the children is it possible mm. for a parent or a carer to be deregulated and what is deregulation yeah, so um, dysregulation to be dysregulated. Um, if you're a human, you can be dis you you will you will undoubt undoubtedly experience dysregulation. It's just and it's when you're in a um a, layman's terms unregulated emotional state. Um, it's very difficult for you to control how you're feeling. You're feeling your emotions are a bit turbulent at the time. Um, and it means perhaps that you're more reactive rather than responsive. So you react automatically rather than thinking about the situation and responding in an appropriate way, so to speak. Yes, that happens to all of us as humans, mm -hmm. even more so as parents, because your children like to test you sometimes, and even more so as send parents, because it's really difficult to gauge when your child is testing you versus when that's it's about them trying to honour their own needs mm -hmm. as a neurodivergent person, individual, right? Um and then again, in this community of Black Send mums, we have a whole load of mums, which I encourage, who are recognising their own neurodivergence through their child's diagnosis. And it's like, now I have to figure out how to re uh, regulate myself and honour my own needs as someone with uh, who is uh, autistic versus my child who is ADHD and loves to shout. And I need peace and quiet right now to regulate myself there's a lot there's a, you know balance there and it's a Balancing. battle constant yeah. battle. Um, yeah because you know your child needs to have that outburst of energy because they've sat still in school for the entire day and you know it's overwhelming and they come home and it's just they are completely um dysregulated and then you that makes you dysregulated because you've had a day at work and your autism needs silence complete silence now and so you have to think oh my goodness what? And yes, I'm somewhat speaking from experience, <laughs> if you couldn't hear in my tone. Um, so what I would um, also research, there is so much information about um, how to regulate, emotionally regulate yourself as a parent. Because if, you, if you're emotionally dysregulated whilst you're parenting, you will struggle to teach your child how to regulate their emotions. And I promise mm -hmm. you, you're not going to be around forever. Your child needs to learn these coping mechanisms for themselves. More than that, though, some of these children are not going to be able to have the capacity to learn that. So just, just as a charity to them, just as something that you should be doing as a parent, you need to make sure that you are learning not necessarily that you know how, because it's very difficult. No one really mm. knows, automatically knows how to, but learning at least, or trying to put the steps in place to learn how to make sure that you are regulated emotionally before you parent, because sometimes it is out of their control to control their meltdown or to control how they're feeling in the moment or control their own dysregulation. Mm. I would advise the parents to do the research into how to uh, regulate emotionally. There's lots of parent pages, um, aimed at that um, it is normal and okay to feel dysregulated you are a human but you know be careful of acting out and dysregulated yeah, put those steps into place learn i would advise people to look into co-regulation with your children co-regulation co with your yeah look into that Very so what's important. so what's co-regulation um it's just as the name suggests it's just uh emotional regulation with your child um, kind of supporting each other and regulating yourselves emotionally and there are things that you can put into place to to make sure that whenever there are issues 
it goes that way. This, I mean, this is not something you're going to learn overnight. Mm. Again, so it's actually it's finding, finding the balance and knowing yourself and knowing that's your child. It. That's it. So for me, co-regulation with, with my middle child um, who has ADHD looks like me reminding her and myself, okay, Amelia, we need to breathe. Let's count to such and such. Let's, you know, and me asking her, what can we do now to help us? You know, because mommy wants to talk to you normally and you want to talk to me normally and no one wants to raise their voices because that doesn't feel nice. So what can we do? Asking for her opinion. And that kind of almost distracts her from the almighty tantrum that she was, you know, because I've given her some agency in this and I'm not taking away her powers and she has autonomy to choose. All right, well, this is what we can do and show that she understands it. And also it means that one day she's going to be telling this to her child because she will have learned the art of regulation and co-regulation um from me and the way that I do things so I'm passing this on to her in a sense so you know it's really important for for, for many reasons co-regulation I like that and and co-regulation would different would differ rather from child to child as well it doesn't mean that what will work with child a will be the same with child b I absolutely absolutely because if I try to co-regulate with Zara she would literally tell me get out of her face she wouldn't say that she's non-verbal but just from her body yeah. movement and her pushing me away I know that she needs that time because because regulation looks different for everyone right doesn't it mm. some people need space some people need to count some people you know it's different difficult for as a parent when you're dealing with a situation then and there and your child is not capable of of understanding or verbalizing how they feel or they're just they're in the middle of a meltdown so they don't have the ability to do that at that point in time um that in that instance and I think we will all learn this parenting in general is about self-emotional regulation the entirety of parenting is about self-emotional regulation (laughs) it's making sure that you're in the green zone not the yellow zone where you're feeling that you're about to lose your temper not the red zone where you're completely gone Mm. and you have no control over yourself what you do not act in the yellow zone do not act in the red zone certainly not only act in the green zone so go away and do what you need to do to get yourself back into the green zone only when you're in the green zone can you really Hmm. react in the proper way to your child which isn't really a reaction it's more a response reactionary Hmm. behavior is never good automatic behavior is never good especially in the moment in our emotions we should not be working with automatic reactions they're never going to be good um do what you can to just get yourself back into the green zone it's not always easy and it's going to take time to learn what works um for you and for you and your children but it's mm. most certainly worth it in the long term, especially as far as building a, a great relationship between you and your child. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, as a parent, we know this, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of this. And this is why we're even seeing this. So sometimes we know deep down we shouldn't be reactive generally to situations. Right. But we are sometimes, but it's always a good reminder that this wouldn't work. This is not going to help. It's going to push those relationships further away. So this is a good reminder to co-regulate. And I've never heard this term before. So this is a new one for me, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm co-regulate. And that's learning how to work with emotions of both sides Mm -hmm. as well. How we can can meet in the middle. Where can we meet in the middle? Mm. And also, I think above all, especially as a SEN parent, parents in general, but as a parent with a child who is neurodivergent, you need to also give yourself grace. Um, Mistakes will be made. We are human, right? It's all about making the effort to learn how to better manage yourself and manage the situation in these moments. But you have to offer yourself grace also because it happens. Mm. Mm. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Um, There was one other thing that really struck me when we're talking again, and um, we spoke about stuttering. Some people say stuttering, some people say stammering. And you actually told me that stuttering could actually or can be a sin. How so? Yeah, I I mean, if the the stutter or the stammer is found to have um, significant, substantial, adverse effect on the child's ability to uh, live and carry out their normal day-to-day activities or life, um, that can that is definitely considered sen. It, mm-hmm. it is sen. Um, it's, it is about, in a sense, it's about the severity. Um, I'm it's sure there severe. are people 
Mm. Right. And I think, and you know, in the society, this is often how they judge SEN because it's about meeting those needs. When we speak about special educational needs, it's usually on an educational level and they're talking about how to meet those needs. So they require you to pass a certain level, right? Even mm. if you you don't, even if you're not at that level, you still have, you know, a stutter or a stammer and it may be difficult in life and what have you. But as far as the educational um uh, levels that they want you to pass it has to be something that has a substantial effect on your day-to-day -day living and most certainly people and children with stutters have do have that experience not all of them but many of them yes Mm. And the reason why this struck me as well was I remember when I was growing up I, I schooled in Nigeria for a bit and I know that there would be children that would be picked on because of stuttering. And now looking back I can see how I can actually remember a particular person who sort of withdrew and they stopped talking, they went into their shell. But of course, as a child then, I didn't even realize the effect it could have on them. But, you know, with awareness now, I'm thinking even this kind of things could actually have that effect. That was bullying in essence, people laughing at them, making oh, fun of them. Yeah. Not You know, teachers probably could have done better as well if they knew better, because what would happen is that they'll put them on the spot in the class and ask them a question. And because they were caught off guard, they would stutter and then people would laugh. And looking mm -hmm. back now, I'm like, oh, my God, that probably had a profound effect on them. Of course, probably affected to it by it to this day. Um, yeah, I mean, we see that there is a lot of ignorance, especially, again, within the black community surrounding things like mental health and special educational needs or disability. Um, unfortunately, I, I mean, we've we've made strides, but I just don't think it's significant enough in, in 2023 where we're at, because we still see things like this to this day. Um, I think educating people, educate each one, teach one, learn what you can about. I mean, you, although you do everything as far as saying, like you looking into ADHD and autism, you do the research. And so I think for people like me and you, it's incumbent upon us to kind of spread that information mm -hmm. within the black community so that others in the black community are learning from it and tell them, you know, encourage and advocate for them to pass that information and that knowledge on also. So it doesn't just stay with us because what good is it? We're learning this information and we don't pass it on, which is exactly why I started Black and mamas I had as a behavioral therapist access to certain resources mm. certain spaces certain people therapists um, um educational psychologists so on and so forth um occupational therapists you know I had access to these things and I just thought why I need I the families that I'm working with the families that I, I worked privately for families they were all white and Asian I wasn't mm -hmm. supporting any black families a lot mm -hmm. of black families probably didn't know about the interventions that I offered no, they didn't even know where to go. They didn't even know what they were right. dealing with or what they are right. dealing with. Right. You know, so I just think when we have that information, we can't let it sit with us. It's so I'm important sorry. that we share that because that's how we kind of combat things like a child being humiliated in the classroom and it's going to it's going to impede upon their learning and their education, not just one aspect of their life, all of it. All of, all it, of it because life. of a disability that is out of their hands, something they cannot, you know... It, it's really sad. It's really sad. And it's not even just the, the students as well, because the students or the people don't know what they don't know. But even if the educators or the teachers would know, right. then they can support right. them by not putting them on the spot, by, you know, by, by doing or putting measures in place. But again, they have to know to be able to support as well. And I agree right. with you. And they, and they say that it's, it's not just Nigeria. We're seeing this in the UK. There's already a disparity um, in how black children are treated in the schools, but in specifics, black sand children also get it worse off, you know, and there's just this all too willingness for, for teachers to rely upon their own implicit biases and prejudices towards black children, rather than consider the fact that they may have some sort of underlying needs or they're communicating something with their behaviours. And it's just a jump to label them as problematic, challenging children, rather than maybe the reason why they don't want to, they, they don't want to sit in the corner is because um, they have some sort of sensory issues that's affecting their ability to pay attention or, you know, some sort of cognitive function um delay or anything like that mm. it's always a case of they're just a bad child which is ridic ridiculous there's no such thing as a bad child so that's even that's elementary to come to that kind of conclusion but then we have these people teaching our children they need training there isn't adequate training in sen there is barely adequate training as far as being a teacher um in an environment where it's diverse as far as cultures and, and yeah. races, right um, and there is a massive intersection there that we are ignoring for children who are black with special needs or neurodivergent disability. Yeah, they're being failed. They are being 
ignored by and large. Um, and it's a shame because they all have potential to do great and become great. Um, but that's just being kind of and lost again, because people because people are ignorant and they are teaching our children. And again, you know, like you say, it's just not knowing. But then, you know, again, I'm just relating to life here where, you know, a child is just a little dumb. We're not looking at the fact that maybe this child just needs to process things differently or they learn differently. Or maybe they're lacking something that they need for them to process things that they're being taught in class. Yeah. And it's sad because I had a lady that was the head of CAMS, um, you know, and she she said to me, we always get children that are referred to us, but their parents are in complete either ignorance or denial of the fact that their child may have additional needs. And that's why they're acting out. And it's not a case of the fact that they just have a bad child. Also, So it's not just the teachers kind of reinforcing that that notion, but also because of the parents have ignorance towards um, neurodivergence, mm. they are then accepting and taking on um, what the teachers have kind of asserted about their own children. And so they're, they're then following suit with punitive measures or things that are not going to help your child long term and actually probably going to put them in worse standing. Um, so it's, it's ignorance on both parts and it's just such a terrible concoction because our children um, are facing the impact of that. Yeah, but I agree with you. We do have a long way to go, but hopefully, you know, um, we can, you know, everybody can do their own part and we get there, hopefully. Right. So is there a link between autism and ADHD? So if we look at... There is a high comorbidity rate, which means comorbidity just refers to the um, the occurrence of one disorder with another. So if we're looking another. for a disability. So, for example, something like dyspraxia or dyslexia or ADHD or autism, they have a lot. They have high comorbidity rates. Um, comorbidity. ADHD and autism often occur together together they can often occur together um so they have a high comorbidity rate is how we would say it um so yes that that would be the link between them mm. because several cases i'll see you know a diagnosis of autism and adhd and i thought yeah i'm just wondering but then that that actually makes sense comorbidity yeah, it and not only that, we we cross over because you know there are a lot of people with developmental disabilities that have a high comorbid rate with mental health disorders, and I think that's probably because this world is just not necessarily designed for people with um, neurodivergence. But you'll see a lot of people with ADHD or autism who have um, uh, depression or anxiety uh, or panic disorder or you know things like that, and it's um, I know that. People with AD, uh, with autism have a higher suicide rate, for example. Um, so there's a high comorbidity rates with mental health disorders also. Mm, right, okay. So um, before we go, I know you went to see this play by Adenike Ojo in hiding. What did you think of that play? Oh, my goodness. Um, I have, If you could see me now, I have a massive smile on my face. So Adenike Ojo, she's the playwright for the play In Hiding. I've become quite close with her. She's been one of my biggest supporters. She wrote a play about a Nigerian lady, a Nigerian socialite, who is a mum to an autistic son. Um, and it was just like, uh, I said to her, everybody needs to see this play this play is sold out by the way let's just mm. say that there's no more tickets left for any of the days available and rightly so it doesn't deserve anything less than that so she's looking for new places for the play you know new homes for the play as she called it other theaters whereby the show can run um I've encouraged her to, you know, and she she already had this in mind, to approach whatever network she needs to get this as a series, a TV series, a film, something yeah. along that. Because I said everybody needs to see it, not just autistic families. Of course, we all identified, and it was a very relatable thing. We all identified with it in the audience. I went with the Blacks and Mamas. So we have Blacks and Mama nights out. And this theatre trip was one of our nights out. And there were tears, there was laughter, there was anger. There was so many emotions because it was just so familiar, right? Mm. It's important for us to see as as a community, the Blacks and Mamas and send parents in general, but also people who have no clue what it entails to be a, a parent of a child who is neurodivergent, particularly autism. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think it's so that it just showcased some of the ignorance that we face from people that don't know what it's about. It showcased why you need to be careful about the way in which you approach these families and the way you talk to them and the things that you say. Um, and it shows why you need to give extra consideration and grace to autistic children when you know you see them. Um, and they may be acting, you know, behaving atypically, as we mm. said. Um, and it's something that you're not used to, but it's not something that you need to fear and then act out of anger or ignorance. It's just a child. <laughs> it's just a child, you know. Um, I just, it was an amazing play. Amazing. And I would, if it, if it shows again, if at any point it shows again, I, first of all, I will go to see it. I will bring more Black Sin Mamas because um, we could only, there was only one show available to us. All the tickets sold out. So as a group, wow. we could only all get one show but I'd bring the rest of the Black Sun Mamas that were wanting to come because so many of the mums were hitting me up and saying I need tickets we need tickets when are oh. we going I was like I'm so sorry they're gone <laughs> <laughs> um, you know but it's just something I'm gonna make sure it's all over my page because I just felt it was so important it literally it's our it's what we face and I just you know it's so important to share that message. That's when the conversations start. The conversations that we've been missing as a community, that's when those conversations start. You need to know how to support these mums because they're going through a lot. A lot of the black mums that I that I work with, mm. a lot of them are really struggling as far as mental health. And that's mm. why I try and do these one-to-one um, -one psychotherapy programs or the therapeutic interventions but you know I fund it myself and you know there's over a thousand mums so to constantly have to fund it it's not sustain sustainable long term it's, it's We're working towards finding funding but I know it's important the psychological the psychology um sorry the psychotherapy programs are so important as far as maintenance they need to be done because a lot of these mums are really struggling Hmm, absolutely. And, you know, when you said that um, this play was very relatable, that would um, lead me to ask about, did they actually highlight unsolicited advice as well? Because we spoke about that the first time we spoke about, you know, that way people do not understand um, some of the things going on and they feel like they can give you unsolicited advice. Did you see any of that? Did that, you know, come to play as well? Absolutely, yeah. That was that was in the play, and it was just funny because we always um, at at Blackstone Mamas we hold these talks um, about what we go through in the Black community and what we face as special needs families in the Black community, and they talk about things you know that we don't necessarily feel comfortable to talk about in non-black spaces so for example aunties saying your child is that way because of voodoo and black magic, or um, uncles saying you don't beat your child enough, you know things like that. Um, these are the things that, these are the themes that we often see in the black community as far as unsolicited advice and opinions on our children. Very unhelpful. Um, have a massive impact on the mum, on her well, emo emotional and mental well-being, of course. And, you know, God forbid one of these mums tries to take that advice about they need to beat their child more. What kind of effect does that have on the child? Right. Um, so we have to really be thinking about the information we're imparting on people is based on your opinion and it's based on something that you don't know about so you shouldn't really be speaking out on uh -huh. willful ignorance you know uh -huh. if you haven't made the effort to research something like autism or neurodivergence then you don't need to have an opinion on it it shouldn't certainly it shouldn't be taken seriously Hmm. And we have to be careful what we say, because like you say, what if the mom goes on to, you know, that you could make you could make it worse. That does happen. I have had, you know, I had an, a lady, Nigerian lady, she was speaking to me, she was crying. She said, you know, I listened to my family and I, you know, this was before I knew that it was autism, but he just wasn't speaking when I was telling him to respond and he wasn't eating his food. And she began to beat him. And she broke down in tears. She's obviously stopped now. He's a lot older. They have the diagnosis. Yeah. She broke down in tears and she said, I didn't know. I just didn't know. I thought I was doing the right thing. And I said, you know, I understand. You you cannot, you know, it happened and it's unfortunate, but you know better now and you're doing better now. So you're arm yourself better. with that knowledge and tell your people that you're, you know, are surrounding you that you are the one that is in charge of the way in which your child is taken care of. And you are the one making decisions because you know best for your child. You know better now, you know? Absolutely. 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 And um, before we go, Masha, you spoke about celebrating your wins as well. What does that mean, celebrating your wins? Um, I think Black women are so often underrated. They're not celebrated in the way that they should be, the things that they achieve and accomplish. 
Um, and the things that they do in life, even the more mundane things go unnoticed. I don't know for you, but in the black community, how many mums do we know that have taken in another child, someone else's child to help look after them, care for them? You know, no, you know, no money has exchanged hands, but, you know, they know that child needs looking after. Literally adoption, right? It's literally mm. adoption. You know, the things that they do, they work two jobs and they look after you, make sure food is on the table. You know, the things that we do are never celebrated. And so I make it a point in the group. I want it to become a culture within the group. Any kind of wins that you face as a mum, as a woman, as a person, as an individual, but then also the wins that your child makes, which may even be just they didn't, they never used to eat rice and chicken before, but they're eating rice and chicken now, or they've learned to swim. Or they, I make sure we talk about every single win in the group. Share it with us. Share it with us because we understand what it means to to make those to meet those milestones, especially for the children. For most people. A child doing something as simple as talking yeah. is expected, right? Mm -hmm. For us, when our child learns a new word, that needs to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. Don't just celebrate. I know, I know that mum is feeling so immensely happy. Don't just celebrate on your own. Share it with us because we understand. Mm -hmm. We want to be there for your wins. So we make sure we share those things with each other and we make sure they understand. As small as it seems, all wins need to be celebrated in this community. Yeah, these are the things people always look for happiness as one long term goal. It's not that. Huh. It's the small moments the small that happen things. in life that if you miss them, you're not going to find your happiness. So, this is why I try to encourage them to be mindful and celebrate every little win that you have in your life. There's no destination called happiness. This is the happiness that is happening now. Don't miss it. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how can we? join Black Sand Mamas and how can we support Black Sand Mamas most importantly because you're doing great work so if there's anybody Thank listening you. that would like to join how can they join your group and how can we support Black Sand Mamas so we are most um, active and we update our Black Sand Mamas uh, Instagram our social media is Instagram and it is the handle is Black Sen S-E-N Mamas underscore uk um you can find us there if you have any questions or queries send us a dm that inbox is always manned you can also email us um the email is b for bravo s for sierra m for mike underscore uk at protonmail.com you can email us there with any queries or concerns um we are a very welcoming bunch we always welcome you into the sisterhood you know um and then as far as support we any kind of support any kind of support is helpful whether that be like when we have our family fun days if you want to come along and help out do the face painting um help serving the food those kind of things any kind of support voluntary your time is great uh, if you wanted to do monetary uh, monetary support we have a gofundme if you just yeah. google black send mamas gofundme or gofundme page it's there you can donate to that if you so wish every little helps even if it's just two pounds one pounds it's fine it's we appreciate it all um particularly me um yeah so that's how that's what support would look like for us thank you and i'm assuming because you do your face-to-face -face mates it's usually moms in the uk that this would really benefit not outside the uk so because we are black send mamas we have send children which means Child care is difficult for us. We cannot just up and leave our children. So the majority of the things that we do, whether it's the psychotherapy programs, whether it's the support group sessions, um, the workshops, learning about our rights, so on and so forth, those are online. I try to make yeah. everything as accessible as possible for the mums. And okay. then we try to aim for at least once or twice a month an in-person meetup in real life. That's generally the mums in London. So we travel from North London, we'll do North London one month, and then we'll do South London the next month, then West London, then East London the next month. And that's how we do our, our group gatherings. We try and do one or two of those a month because it's important to me that we are building genuine, authentic relationships mm. um, as people. It cannot just be a case of clicking and following um, new new. Uh, charities or organizations that have popped up that's not helpful that's not what we need we need genuine friendship we need genuine sisterhood so that's why I try to make it a point that we always meet up in real life at least once or twice a month and then we have you know the mummy nights out so on and so forth and that is generally for the mums in London right okay 
Thank you so much. Um, a lasting word for any mom out there who might be struggling or any families who are struggling out there. What would you say to them? Um, I would say, and just because this has been the thing that has helped me, find your tribe. And I know that's so hard and that's so daunting purely because this journey in Intersend um, as a parent is typically an isolating one, right? We always find that um, it's just a lonely road. There's no one that relates to us and we don't relate to anyone. We lose our, our close core group of friends as soon as, you know, we have a child and we recognise that they're different. That is um, in part for two reasons. One, because your friends don't necessarily know how to support you. And two, you don't necessarily understand what support you need in the moment. This is all new to you, right? And so you tend to just shut yourself off from the world. And it's funny because one of, myself and the Black Send Mamas, who also has her own group, which is called Panda's Tree. Her group is for Black children and Black families with Down syndrome children. Um, we were talking about what we what we call, or what we call the two-year obligatory isolation um, period, whereby we just go mm. missing. As soon as, the, as soon as Send enters the picture, yeah. as soon as there's a diagnosis, or even before then when you recognise something's wrong, that mum, she just completely goes missing from society. Mm. And then... You know, and that's just to process everything. It's it's two years of depression. Let's be real. It's two years of depression for many of us, right? Because we don't, uh, as a community, our families don't know how to support us. They don't have the information we need. They don't have the answers we want because no one knows about SEND in our community for some reason. And so um, we are by ourselves in this. But once they come out of that, mm. we find that they tend to reach out to us, right. um, Black Sun Mamas or Pandas Tree. Mm. Um, so it's just a case of when you're at that point because no one's trying to rush that that period of progression when you are at that point that is when i wish for you guys to try and find your tribe um black sin mamas are certainly here for you pandas tree um we are here as you know projects that are aimed at supporting black families that are send families um try and find within your community the support groups local support groups um for send families go online you know the neurodivergent community we're in the age of social media. They are massive on social media as a platform. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are so just if you even go on Instagram and type in special needs, type in autism, ADHD, Down syndrome, dyspraxia, dyslexia is a massive. You know, type in neurodivergence, disability. You will find your people. There are so many people on there who have lived experience of this. If you're worried about your child and their future as an autistic child, there are many autistic people, adults, young adults to talk to and say, what is it that you found difficult growing up? Mm -hmm. What is it? What changes do you think might? And talk to many of them. Don't just get one source of information, but talk to many of them and figure out your figure out the way in which you want to do things as far as this journey. Because I think a lot of the fear when you first understand that things are going to be different for you and your child is from not knowing the future. We can't know the uh, future. But if you arm yourself with the research knowledge, if you arm yourself with speaking to those with lived experiences, and if you arm yourself with your tribe, those things are going to be the thing to see you through at the worst times. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that. And we'll end on that note, find your tribe. And it's actually finding the people that actually understand what you're going through, which is why the support yeah. groups are really, really necessary as well. And, and, and you know, exactly. when you're talking about that thing as well, the moms or the families get you, they understand what you're going through. And it's actually finding mm. your tribe and finding that person or finding that group that understands where you're coming from and, and even listening, because sometimes they might not necessarily have the answers because it's not one size fits all, but they know right. to listen to what you're going through as well. So that's very important. Find your tribe. Yeah. Thank you so much, Masha. It's been really, really nice speaking with you. And I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And once again, this is talking about life experiences with Ola. Thank you to everyone who's listening. And thank you so much for your time, Masha. It's really been lovely thank speaking you, to Anna. you. Likewise, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.